0: You're listening to The Career Coach Podcast, bringing you information, lived experiences and all-round career conversation. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Career Coach Podcast. I am your host, Sharisha, and as always, I am joined by a special guest. But before we get into all of that, I just want to remind you, if you would like to get involved with my Ask the Coach segments and you have a career-related question, don't forget you can drop me a dm with your voice notes at its cc podcast or you can jump on the anchor app where you can also record your questions there so guys as always i love this part where i get to speak to some amazing people who are very inspirational to myself as well my own personal career journey so without further ado i would like to welcome to the show today jamelia <laughs> how are you how's it going uh
1: i'm doing well thank you enjoying the weather and the fact that the sun's out it's always a bonus
0: i'm telling you right
1: um, it makes such a difference such a difference so i mean i'm happy because of that
0: yeah, yeah yeah we all need that vitamin d especially with you know the past year and everything that's been going on so yeah absolutely <laughs> it lifts absolutely. our spirits definitely so could you just like introduce yourself and what you do
1: Sure. Um, So my name is Jamelia Donaldson. I'm the founder of Treasure Tress, which is Europe's largest monthly product discovery box for women and girls with naturally kinky curly hair. Mm -hmm. Um, As almost a byproduct of Treasure Tress, in I want to say 2016-17, I co-launched the Teen Experience with Simone Powderly, which is a series of personal development workshops for Black and mixed race teen girls between Mm -hmm. the ages of 12 to 19. We've actually got our first virtual event taking place tomorrow. Um, which is exciting
0: yeah but yeah that's essentially what I do yeah that's so amazing I, I'm once upon I'm um, like some time ago when we was allowed I say once upon a time because it feels so long ago but I did actually yeah, come down to the teen experience um and I even for myself as an adult I was there thinking wow I really wish this was around when I was that age it was the way you guys put everything together and your team it was so amazing and I thoroughly really enjoyed myself even Though I wasn't, like, one of the teens. But we will obviously talk a bit more about that later on. But um, Mm -hmm. just in general, like, so where was your inspiration from, like, creating Treasure Tress?
1: A few different places. So here's always been one of my biggest obsessions, yeah. if not my biggest obsession. Um I often share the story that when I was in school I used to get in trouble because the teacher would be teaching and I'd be playing with someone's hair. <laughs> um and I was also very, always very fussy about my hair. Mm-hmm. So my mum would do my hair and then I would literally go upstairs, cry, take it out and then redo it myself. Yeah. So I taught myself how to plait and braid. At about four or five years old, so that I could redo my own hair when I didn't like it. Wow. Um, So that was when my obsession with hair started. And then my obsession with hair products started when I got a bit older. Um, there were a few different points that I can point to so the first one being when I realized that my hair wasn't growing beyond a certain point and I thought it was really frustrating and I just couldn't understand why Mm -hmm. and so I then started researching like what helps black hair grow what makes black hair grow after that the other point that I would point to is when the natural hair movement started emerging online mainly in the states through YouTube I was then researching how to take care of black hair and then finally when I was in my placement year at university I spent a month in Beijing and then I went to New York for nine months. And while I was in New York, subscription boxes were on the rise. So, Dollar Shave Club had just started, um, Birch Box had started, and Glossy Box had started. And then there were a ton of other boxes for everything from like sweets to dog food to anything else. Mm. And there was also several for black women. And then when I looked back at the UK, there wasn't the equivalent. So I said, okay, when I get back to the UK, if there isn't one that fills the void for natural hair, then I'm going to do it. Um, then I got back to the UK, got slightly sidetracked because I'd been working for free for a year and I finally needed to make money. Yeah. So I applied for a job in finance. Um, so I started my job. I tried to get into it as much as possible, but there was always this niggling feeling that I needed to do something with this idea. Mm-hmm. And so while I was working in finance, I launched the Treasure Trust Instagram page, um, launched online, had our first few customers, started fulfilling orders, Done both simultaneously for about eight months. Um, and then by month eight, I had lost a drastic amount of weight. My skin was absolutely terrible. I was extremely exhausted and burnt out. Mm-hmm. And so I just had the conversation with myself of like, what do you do here? Do you continue to try to do both and risk your health? Or do you take a risk on yourself, see what happens if you actually go with this idea and see how big it can get? Yeah. Um, or do you just stay in corporate? And I just remember thinking the one thing that I don't want to carry in my life is regret yeah and I never want to think oh what would have happened if I had done this so I thought you know what I'm 23 I haven't got no kids I have a few major commitments but I'm going to take the risk now I'm going to see what happens and then worst case scenario I can always go back to the job that I was leaving mm-hmm. because I had a really good relationship with the team and with the management there so um yeah I decided to take the leap of faith run treasure Trust full-time so one thing that I didn't mention in sharing that actually was One of my biggest motivations was absolutely my niece. I've now got nieces, plural. Um, But my first niece... I remember my brother telling me that he was expecting a girl and my first thought was oh I hope she doesn't grow up to hate her hair as much as I hated mine mm. and I wanted her to grow up thinking that natural hair was perfectly normal it was a blessing and it was beautiful so a lot of the work that I've done with Treasure chest especially in the early days have been focused on a really really young demographic to make sure that girls that are coming up feel that natural hair is completely normal. Yeah. Now Treasure chest as a brand has matured a lot but young girls hence the teen experience is always a major passion of mine because I know how I felt as like a young black girl and as a young black teen and I just don't want other girls to feel the same way
0: yeah there's a lot that you said there and like some of the key things that I took out of it especially with the whole natural hair movement I remember myself transitioning from relaxed hair to natural hair Mm -hmm. and YouTube at the time like you just rightly said all I saw was only people from the the states and I was and it was still very a new thing as well because um having to like find out like you know certain products aren't good if your hair's got two textures like it's got the natural and then you've got your you know your relaxed ends and having to go through some really terrible experiences of just having to chop everything off because I wasn't able to maintain the two textures growing together and just the importance Mm -hmm. like you said of being younger I remember being in school myself and always thinking I wish I had like straight hair or I had you know I mean like European hair it would be easier and those kind of things Mm -hmm. so yeah that's just amazing to hear that that inspired you to even create something that you saw that was missing for other young women that had the same experience as you but you just talked about you know you was um torn between working and obviously deciding whether you want to go into this full time like was you um talking to anyone at the time like to help you with those decisions or was this just mainly because of your health you just was like no I'm just not going to do this anymore
1: um I spoke to too many people and that was the problem okay okay <laughs> I was actually due to quit the year before I did. But the first time I, I wanted to quit, I shared it with like my whole family. And before I knew it, my mum had my aunts calling me like, Nina, <laughs> you've got such a good job. Mm. It took me so long to earn what you're earning. Don't go. like, Don't leave. Just stick it out. You don't know if your business is going to work. And I was like, OK. And then that instilled a bit of fear in me. So I was like, OK, let me think about this a bit longer. Mm. Um, but then by the second time, I was like, do you know what? I'm doing it. So i just done it. And then the day after I said to my mum, oh, by the way, I've handed in my notice. my last days in two weeks time. And I'd done that because then it was too late for me to go back. Yeah, yeah. And no one could change my mind. So, yeah, I spoke, I would say I spoke to too many people about it Mm. when instinctively I knew what I needed to do. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think that timing's ever wrong. So the timing probably aligns just the way it was meant to. Yeah. But yeah, I did, I did backtrack a bit and delay a bit purely based on conversations that I had with other people
0: yeah because I think that's the main thing I know you know when you when I get questions from people clients they're always quite concerned about having to have no income and like a steady income Mm -hmm. but I think obviously the pandemic has shown us that nothing's really steady um you know any industry can just kind of crumble overnight and you're going to be made redundant so I think you know this has been a stage where people are more more thinking about their well-being and what do they actually want from their career and what do they want from life and all these kind of things it's a a very Mm -hmm. prominent question that's in the back of all of our minds right now but you spoke about university so like talk about that what did you do at uni was this something that related to what you're doing now
1: at the time it wasn't intentional what I studied at uni. So at uni, I studied business and international relations. Okay. But the course that I actually wanted to study was law. But in, I didn't do A-levels. Instead, I decided to do the international baccalaureate. Mm-hmm. And that was because it allows you to study anywhere abroad. So in my mind, I'd done the international baccalaureate so that I could live anywhere in the world and I could work anywhere in the world. And then when I got my IB results, I was one point short of what I needed to study law. And I was absolutely devastated. I thought my life was over. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I thought I wasn't gonna have a career because in my mind I was destined to be a lawyer. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then when they gave me the list of courses, the one that stuck out to me was business and international relations. Not because I cared about business. Um, I just cared about the international in international relations. Yeah. Didn't know what it meant. Didn't really care. Again, I just knew that I needed to be able to travel the world because that's what I love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I opted for business and international relations and I really enjoyed it. But it, not to be like ooh, like ooh, lofty about it. But that for me is just another indication that like some things in your path were just written mm. because... Why did, like, what would my life look like now if I studied law? Like, I probably wouldn't be as fulfilled as I am now. I wouldn't be as happy as I am now. So I do know that everything happens for a reason. So as much as I was gutted that I didn't get to study law, thank God I didn't study law because Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. But no. business and international relations was fully random I probably put more effort into the international relations part of it than I did the business because again it wasn't necessarily a passion of mine Mm -hmm. but I think that's what's interesting about entrepreneurship because when I look back to childhood um when I was learning to do hair and I was doing my own hair I was also getting paid by other people to do their hair Mm -hmm. so low-key that's a business already Yeah, yeah yeah I didn't realize that Like I'm naturally quite entrepreneurial and I will always find ways to make money. So I think that, yeah. Yes and no, my course, it did help because as part of the course, the requirement was that we had to live, we had to get a year's industry experience. A lot of people on my course went to the big four and got like banking, consulting experience. I didn't want to do that. Um, I knew that whatever I was going to do, I needed to be abroad. And again, didn't really care what I was going to do. I just said, I'm going to spend my placement year in New York. And that was it me and one of my really close friends we were like we're going to New York for the year we don't know what we're going to do but we're going to go there we're going to live there Mm -hmm. and then so said so done we had some very random internships she was working for a theatre company she was studying international relations and sociology and she worked for a theatre company I was studying international relations and business and I ended up at a fashion PR and an entertainment PR agency Mm -hmm. so we just done whatever we needed to do because we wanted to be in New York Yeah. But I was in New York, that's when I stumbled across this, uh, the subscription box model yeah. and the natural hair community and realised how big it was. So, um yeah everything has just so beautifully come together now that I look back
0: yeah yeah but
1: at the time I was just kind of just following like whatever was in my gut that I should do like I felt like I needed to be in New York I didn't know why mm-hmm. I just felt like I needed to be there so I went to New York I was gutted that I didn't get to study law but instead I got to study business and international relations and I was able to make the most of it so my degree did teach me some stuff but I think the most valuable thing that I learned from my degree was my network mm-hmm. because the mm-hmm. alumni at my university are absolutely lit. amazing people who are going to be amazing professionals yeah so that was that's probably my key takeaway from university
0: yeah that's amazing yeah. but you know what I like I took from that there's just the fact that even though sometimes we might it's like it's almost like the blessing that we might be asking for it doesn't come packaged the way we expect it but like now mm-hmm. in hindsight you're looking back on it you're just thinking wow like imagine if I wasn't like there do you get what I mean like yeah. it's just It's so crazy. Like, even in the moment, like, you might be so hung up on the disappointment and you're actually missing the Mm -hmm. opportunity that's um, in front of you. So that is, that's actually so amazing to hear. But, you know, like, in terms of the process then, like, of creating the discovery boxes. So when you came back and you was like, okay, cool, I'm going to do this. Like, how did you start? Google. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I had had no roadmap. I had no blueprint. I had no network. Mm -hmm. I literally established everything from square one Mm. i went on google i watched youtube videos i read blogs i read books i listened to podcasts i had nothing i literally just had to make one step forward and then put my next foot in front of so okay cool so first things first we need to talk to brands okay cool spoken to brands Mm. next step i need to find someone that prints boxes let me do that google like yeah that's my only answer yeah (laughs)
0: yeah it's true because you know like a lot of the time sometimes we want the answer like straight away But you have to be Mm -hmm. able to do the research and as well as trial and error, because that's the reality. Sometimes you might go to a supplier, it doesn't work out. But, you know, Mm -hmm. um, if someone else isn't doing it around you, you almost have to spend money to make money. And I think that's the thing in business. I think a lot of us are scared I was watching an interview once with P. Diddy and he talked about the millions that he kind of lost. And you're thinking, wow, millions. I'm like scared. to. Sometimes we're scared to spend a couple of thousand or a hundred pounds or something mm-hmm. to invest into ourselves. So that's really important. But, you know, like, for instance, you're not an island. None of us are an island. So like mm-hmm. you originally obviously started by yourself. But um, the, like, you know, like the saying goes behind every successful woman is a tribe of other successful women like who have her mm-hmm. back sort of thing. How has that process been for you, like building a team and what element and what t- part of your journey did you actually think, yeah, I need to actually get people to help me with this vision?
1: From day one and before day one, okay. like when I first had that idea, I invited my best friends around and I was like, hey, I've got this idea for this subscription box. And I found like a random cardboard box and I put a couple of products in there. And I was like, oh, how much would you pay for this? Would you pay £20 a month? And they were like, yeah. And, and then I reached out to one of my other friends who was actually going to help me launch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she had some personal situations that she needed to take care of so she couldn't commit. Yeah. So then I had to go forth by myself. But initially I started with interns, okay. which I had a not so great experience with. <laughs> um, and then one of the guys from my uni reached out and was like, hey, my girlfriend subscribed to your boxes. She loves it, like... I think she'd be good as an intern. And I was like, all right, cool. So she started as an intern. And then I said, you're really good. Like, my promise to you is that I will give you a full, a fully paid grad job by the time you graduate. Mm. Didn't know how the hell I was going to do it because I was barely paying myself.
0: Yeah, yeah. But
1: I was like, no, nah, she's good. Like, she'll actually help me. Um. So I done that, recruited her. And then I would say about a year later... I was catching up with one of my friends and I was asking her how's work. And she just seemed like very unsatisfied and very distressed. Mm. And I was like, what's up? She's like, I just want to do something a bit more creative. And I was like, oh, well, cool. Like treasure chest is very creative. Like there's lots that needs to be done. I can't do it by myself. Would love some help. Mm. And she was like, okay, cool. So she agreed to come on board part time. Now she's full time and now she's our brand director. Yeah. And then from there, I would say maybe every six months, I was, like, scouting or hiring to expand the team. The next person I hired after Shavon was Beulah, the Creamy Cut Rehab, who came on board as our um, content creator. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say the, the team was built steadily um, and slowly. Yeah. Intentionally, because we're a bootstrapped startup. We don't have the capital to just do, like, a mass hiring. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also... It, it, it allows us to maintain our authenticity it allows us to stay hungry and it allows us to feel like we're building it together as opposed to just having this massive injection of cash yeah. and trying to figure out what to do with it and
0: yeah. like for someone then that's like starting off like you started off with interns what was it yeah. like in the beginning did you have to offer them help with their travel lunch and like you know how does that all kind of work
1: um, you probably can't do what I done in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I didn't. I, as I said, I was barely paying myself. I don't think I was even paying myself at that point. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. They they reached out, they wanted the experience. So I yeah. said, All right, cool. Um we'll meet I think we used to meet at Google campus like once a week or something like that. And then we would work together from there. But they just wanted experience. Mm. Like some of it was for university, some of it was just for their personal experience, and some of it was just out of pure interest. Yeah, yeah. So yeah I didn't I didn't actually cover anything because I could barely cover anything for myself
0: yeah but I think that's the important thing to recognize though when you you know when you see startups because I've you know I've seen other people that have done startups and you literally they'll be like they probably use like those kind of open workspaces everyone just meets there Mm -hmm. and it's very like everyone's wearing different hats until we kind of figure this stuff out sort of thing because we're all in it together But, you know, in regards to like, I saw once on your IG when you transitioned over into your new office, which looks amazing, by the way, (laughs) but just in general, like just... I just I think from for me I've always noticed with your branding just the the personality that you put in it especially for like women like black women and women of like you know black black ethnicity mixed or diverse Mm -hmm. sort of thing I just love the fact that you your branding like speaks to us like it has like phrases and mottos that we can all kind of relate with but like what has that journey been like for you like because obviously we see what we see now but People don't always see how it all started. So, like, yeah, talk yeah. about that, like, where your first office was and, wh- like, get into where you are now.
1: Yeah. Um. So our first, <laughs> low-key, the first office was Google Campus mm-hmm. because they allow free desk space for, like, a couple of hours. Okay. Um, after then, when I actually had, like, staff that I was paying, we used to meet at Costa. Mm-hmm. So that was the second office. After Costa, then we moved into a building in Tottenham, um, which was a room smaller than any room in this new office and we just made it work we grew from three to six in that office mm-hmm. and everyone was stepping over each other um not covid friendly at all <laughs> but we made it work we decorated it so it looked cute it looked like a cupboard when we moved in but mm-hmm. by the time we had finished decorating it looks it looks cute like people were excited to come and see us in that office yeah yeah um and then covid hit but the lease on that office was running out anyway and we were like so that was where the office space was but then the boxes were being packed somewhere very different that was not very glamorous at all Mm -hmm. so the main intention for the next office was that the warehouse and the office would be joined so that everyone in the office knows exactly what's going on in the warehouse and vice versa Mm -hmm. and so when covid hit the good thing was that it drove down a lot of the prices for offices because no one wanted them anymore yeah um so that gave me good bargaining power to move into our new office where we where we are now we've been here for almost a year now but it was slow and steady this is our we're moving into our sixth year now we didn't move we moved into our first office I would say year three year Mm -hmm. two year three so it was it's been a slow and steady process but definitely not an overnight success by any means yeah
0: yeah I think that's so important for people to recognize that like it is an overnight success because social media can make it seem like things are just happening like day by day and then you know it takes away from ourselves like the journey that we're on and I think the important Mm -hmm. is as well even as a customer I enjoy seeing the growth of a business that I have seen from the beginning do you get what I mean I like Mm. I like to see that Oh, the boxes are changing Oh, the branding's up been upgraded and stuff like that because it's like it shows that the business is evolving and I think that's important as well as a customer to see that kind of stuff in terms of you know you work with a lot of amazing hair brands um how does Mm -hmm. that process work choosing um what you want to put in each month
1: I think that's the beauty of the team and just the roots of the brand. Mm-hmm. Like the team is 100% black and mixed race women. So yeah. we know what we like. We know what women like us would like. Mm-hmm. And we know the brands that we might be a bit sceptical about, but if we try it, we'll like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we just, we just pay basic purely on that. Like what would we use? Which brands do we like? Which brands are we excited by? Which brands are we a bit sceptical about? But when, we, when we've we tried them, they've actually been quite good. Mm-hmm. That's the logic. <laughs> like yeah. what do we want? Our customers look like us. So surely between us we'll be able to come up with enough box collaborations to satisfy the varying different types of customers that we have because as much as they are black women, mixed-race women, we like different things, our hair's different. Um, And the same goes with the team. Like, everyone's hair type's different. Everyone likes different things. So we make sure that our box also reflects that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So everyone, like, gets to try products out and then maybe you collaborate, like, you come together as a team and then say, yeah, I'm really feeling this one or this one sort Mm -hmm. of thing okay so if someone then is out there and they maybe you know they're creating their own hair brand and they would like to reach out to see if you know there's a possible synergy of partnership with the boxes subscription boxes each month how can they go about that reach out okay (laughs)
1: like literally drop us an email it's definitely an intention of ours to work with more black owned brands Mm -hmm. we've got a few different types of boxes so we've got the main subscription and we're experimenting with limited edition boxes at the moment okay So I would say literally just reach out, reach out to our customer service, which is curlcare at treasure trust.co.uk. And they'll point you in the right direction as to who on the team you need to speak to.
0: Okay, that's amazing. So there's an opportunity for up and coming brands, guys, make sure, you know, even if you tag them as well, because I think that's a really important thing to tag brands that we all kind of like, you know, because we Mm -hmm. we see different things at different points. So that's important as well. But like moving on to then like your business and your branding, how? what are the most important elements would you say are for building a successful brand and a business and something that stands out from the crowd?
1: Authenticity. Like it can't be duplicated. It cannot be faked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you authenticity is hundred percent. The most important thing about any brand. Yeah. Like, What do you care about? Do you care about the same thing that your customers care about? Are you curious about your customers? Are you listening to your customers? Are you giving them what you know that they want? Are you giving them what you know that they need? Mm -hmm. Are you creating stuff that resonates with them? Does it even resonate with you? Authenticity, by far the most important thing.
0: Yeah. And then even in regards to like when you're building like that authenticity, do you also ask for the opinion of your customers? Like when you're doing, like you might be changing your branding or you're deciding on, you know, something, developing something
1: absolutely first of all always listen to my team Mm. um the redesign of the current box was actually inspired by a conversation that we had in the office where i was like "Mm, i'm thinking of changing the box and then siobhan piped up and was like ah to be honest if i didn't work at treasure dress i wouldn't purchase the box because it doesn't it doesn't look Mm. like it belongs to my age group it looks like it's for kids Mm. and i was like why has it taken you so long to say that (laughs) like Mm. if you work here and you're leading the brand here and it doesn't resonate with you then why are we doing it yeah. we need to change it so then we changed the box um and the way that we designed the box i don't know if you would have seen it but quite frequently i was updating it in my stories like which one do you prefer this yeah or this, yeah remember. This or this. Mm-hmm. um and then i was able to get the feedback of everyone to get a feel for what people like and then we designed on we decided on the design from there we went back and forth about the the wording inside the box for quite a while mm-hmm. internally, but um, yeah, the redesign, the rebrand was driven by our subscribers. We're about to relaunch a new website with completely with a completely new aesthetic, mm-hmm. um, which we're really really excited about. But for us, it's like seeing what's happening in the marketplace, seeing what's happening in the mainstream marketplace, and making sure that the same thing happens for Black women because in the mainstream, Black women get for- get forgotten. Yeah. But at Treasure Chest, Black women lead us. Yeah. So yeah that that informs a lot of our decisions
0: yeah and would you say as well for you has perseverance played a key a key factor in to why you're here six years on
1: yes absolutely (laughs) I think I've surprised myself yeah because yeah it's it's very challenging Mm. it's and I feel like when I was starting up I used to hear people say all this time like entrepreneurship's not for everyone Mm. but I, I 100% understand why people say that. Yeah. It yeah. is very tough. And as you grow, like I would say, year one, my biggest trouble was probably getting the attention of brands that I wanted to speak to. Once you overcome that hurdle There's a new hurdle that arises mm. So it's like Alright cool The next step was Oh we've got the attention Of the brands that we needed But now we need uh, Office space And oh With office space You also need to pay Business rates And oh no We've crossed the threshold Now we need to pay VAT as well mm. It's like Every time you grow New levels New devils Like yeah. There's always something else To overcome um, But it takes perseverance To even have the strength And the energy To want to overcome it Because it's very easy To be like you know what It's been real <laughs> I've done a lot I'm tapping out
0: Yeah yeah. And
1: don't get me wrong, I've definitely been there, but I care too much about what I'm doing to do that.
0: Mm, yeah. I think that that's why when you know when you see interviews and you hear people and they're like, it is about the passion because when there's no money or it's difficult, if you're not passionate, mm-hmm. like you will literally say, Deuces, I'm out. Like uh, it's been yeah. fun, guys. Like I'm I'm calling it yeah. quits sort of thing. That's why so many times you'll speak to someone say oh what happened and it's like yeah because you can really deep down it's not a deep core passion for them because obviously when it Mm -hmm. got it got hard they're not doing it anymore but like what would you say then in terms of building those brand relationships and partnerships how did you start off was that just like dropping an email saying hey this is what we're doing like how did all of that come about
1: yeah i had no idea what i was doing i was cold calling cold emailing Mm -hmm. to get the attention of brands that's it yeah and then I just continue to refine my skills to learn how to have more intelligent conversations. Okay. And um, but the key thing is that when you're approaching brands or you're trying to broker new partnerships or deals, it's not about you. It's about the other person. Mm. So all of the conversation needs to be geared towards fulfilling their needs. But you're only going to know what they need by listening. Yeah. So I always say to like my team mm. if they're new and we're talking about. Having conversations with brands, you shouldn't be doing too much talking. It's the brand that needs to do the talking yeah. because you need to get them to say enough things so that you can write enough notes, so, you, so that you can draw out vocabulary. Like for example, if you were seeking um, sponsorship of this podcast, should I do it this way or should I do it that way around? If I was spe- seeking sponsorship for Treasure Trust by your podcast, yeah. I would have a call with you, but I'd be making notes on what you're saying. And if you kept saying, I'm very passionate about helping people co- progress in their careers and coaching, then in my email to you, I need to mention those words, co- words career and coaching, mm-hmm. because they're going to resonate with you, hence why you use them in the first place. Yeah. So it's a lot about listening, paying attention to like what gets people going and then tapping into that. And then that's true for both customers and clients. Likewise, with, with brands, that's what we do. But even with customers, at the moment, we're having customer interviews whereby we're calling 50 of our customers to say like, hey... Can we get some feedback? And I'm saying, can you complete this form while you have these interviews? I'm going to join a few as well. But when we make notes, let's make sure we go back over the notes Mm -hmm. and see what are the recurring themes so that we can actually build upon that. Mm -hmm. So it's about being very receptive to feedback, listening intently and making notes. I bang on a lot about making notes because for me to be actively listening, I need to make notes. Yeah, yeah. So that's one thing that I always urge. Yeah, yeah.
0: Definitely I know for me as a coach a key skill is active listening like and always questioning myself before I ask a question why am I asking that question is that because it's my thought process is it because it's beneficial to the client so yeah that's mm-hmm. a, that's some really good advice there. That's... So you obviously spoke on the challenges um mm-hmm. that you faced so far but so how has the pandemic affected your business uh, or helped your business?
1: In a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> um, I distinctly remember us being in our old office, and it was like, hey guys, um, it looks like there's news of some virus, mm. but it's right, we'll touch base on it on Monday. Then over the weekend, it got a lot more serious, and so I dropped an email like, hey guys, can you just work from home for the next two weeks while we figure this thing out? Mm. Two weeks turned to six months, turned to nine months. <laughs> Um, before we were able to come back. Then we came back and then we had to leave again Mm. um, for about three months. So it was challenging in a lot of ways. For me, it was challenging mentally because not only do you have to try to proof your business Mm. so that it's still successful, so that you've still created jobs for people, um but people's own mental health suffers by being at home so much so you need to be mindful of that but you also need to be mindful of the fact that this is a business and you still need people to deliver
0: yeah
1: and then you have to deal with your own emotions about a pandemic and the implications of being at home for so long and so intensely Mm -hmm. being worried about health being worried about family members so mental health was definitely a very big challenge um second to that an upside is that we had a massive influx of new customers. Mm. March, we were very worried because we had a lot of emails like, hey, love Treasure Trust, but I'm losing my job. I need to pause. And we were like, oh, dear, what happens if everyone pauses? Yeah. Um, And then literally two weeks later, subscriptions went through the roof and we had to cap them. So now we've got a wait list which has grown massively, which is about three times the size of our actual subscription. Wow, that's amazing. um, Of people that have come over to us since the start of the pandemic. Mm Um, another upside would be negotiations with regard to office space, because because it was a pandemic, there were a lot of vacant offices, mm-hmm. which meant that you could have better chance of, like, niggling down the price. Yeah. And then the real challenge, which we're starting to feel a lot more intensely now, is, like, supplier delays. Mm. So there was a moment in time when, still going on, if I'm being honest, where the producers of, the manufacturers of products couldn't get a hold of the caps of bottles. Okay. Because of... The, the backlog due to the pandemic in China Because that's where a lot of the imports come from mm-hmm. So they could make product They could manufacture the product They could bottle it But they couldn't put a lid on it So that sounds like it's quite far removed from us But not really Because if we've got a box to send out And you're meant to send us the products on the 1st And now they're not coming till the 30th That completely messes up our annual calendar mm. So I would say that within the past few months We've really had We've started to feel a very strong knock-on effect Of the pandemic on our supply chain
0: Yeah,
1: But I would say yeah, I would say that that's it. The upside, as much as being at home can be a challenge, working and separating like work and leisure. What I have enjoyed is the amount of time that I've had to think.
0: Yeah, I haven't
1: had as much time as I wanted because all the time that I have spent thinking has been thinking. Right, what's our strategy? What are we doing to make sure that we're good? Mm-hmm. Um, I I think generally speaking, I feel like there seems there seems to be an air of introspection and a lot of people wanting to do self-work and I really appreciate that yeah so um yeah I would say that that's one upside. do you think then for
0: you would you um still incorporate elements of working from home in your business going forward for you and your team or is it something like now you've had enough like no we're back in the office we're good
1: I prefer everyone being in the office yeah because Things don't get lost in translation. We can flesh things out really quickly. We can have conversations. You can also, let's be honest, have transparency and see what everyone's working on. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, but working from home once a week has always been something that we've done. Okay. So we still work from home one day a week and come in four days a week. Okay, yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, being in the office is definitely my preference because we have a lot to do, always. <laughs> um, and especially this year, we have a lot of really important deadlines. Yeah. And it's important that we can work on stuff quite quickly and quite efficiently.
0: You know, you're Europe's first and largest natural hair product discovery box. Like, what does that mean to you when you really sit back and reflect on, wow, that's like quite a, that's a, a big achievement. So, yeah, what what comes to mind when you think of that?
1: I really think of that, if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, I feel like it's more impressive from the outside mm-hmm. because you can't see how much goes into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I ever think of, like, the shiny cover. I feel like I'm always thinking about the not-so-glamorous part. Mm -hmm. So if I was to pause and think about it now, I'd be like, wow, that's well done, like, that's that's a huge accomplishment mm-hmm. based on the fact that I came into this completely naive. I'm still naive, I'm still learning, I'm still growing. But, yeah, I think my friends do a really good job of reminding me that, no, Jam, you've done, you've done well. Yeah. And they, they threw, like, a very cute sleepover, surprise sleepover for me in our new office one day, and I literally burst out in tears because I was so emotional because I hadn't actually had a chance to stop and think, wow, like, mm-hmm. this idea one day. And I've built it, well, not me alone, me and my team have built it to this point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so very rarely do I stop and think about it. But when I do, I do become very armed with emotion because I know how much has gone into it. I know how much it means. Yeah. Um. And I know also how much I've sacrificed to make it happen. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. That's amazing. And even just for me, I know, like, just, you know, even virtually being able to follow like-minded individuals like yourself and stuff and just as a woman and a black woman as well is very inspirational even if it's not the same sector but it's just the journey like for mm-hmm. like like for me just even doing career coaching it was very much about being able to help empower people to take control of uh, their desires with their career and what they want out of life because um i feel like a career is a big part of who we are especially if you're very driven and you, you know that's a part of what you see as success for yourself so I know like for me thank you very much for always showing and showcasing and being quite honest about your journey because it really does help like people like myself and even if we don't come forward and tell you this but it's just so important that even though what you're doing living in your truth you're so you're connected to so many people and your kind of Mm -hmm. life also empowers us so like yeah I just want to say well done and congratulations so far and your team as well. I have a
1: question about that what's that yeah they, they're the real mvps if i'm being honest because they have to put up with my constant flow of <laughs> ideas and demands. <laughs> um what do you think i should could do a better job of sharing or what's one experience that you think oh, i'd be keen to know a bit more about that um i feel like for myself
0: which is one of my questions it's like it's just really knowing like you know, like in, th- in terms of like vices, because we all are human and we have like our ups and our downs. And it's not necessarily about mm-hmm. crying on IG live or anything, but it's just knowing that, you know, guys, this is like a challenge that I'm finding, even as just like a business owner, because you're a leader at the end of the day, although you've got a team. Mm-hmm. And I think leadership is something, especially within women and black women. We don't take up spaces sp- especially in the world of corporate or the working world and I think more kind of tips and advice on being strong leaders is very powerful because you know we need to be seen more in those positionings Uh, like we need more people on those tables and having those conversations so I think like leadership skills is a very I think it's a big kind of topic of conversation I think it's really important like how do you how are you a good leader? How do you manage teams? How do you manage even yourself? How do you manage your emotions and being able to ensure that you're kind of like, you know, able to be good for yourself and your your business and your team. So yeah, leadership, I think, would be something I would like to hear more about and how you've grown and developed those skills along your journey. Um, yeah. That's, that's such
1: that's such a good point. Mm. I'm actually undergoing leadership um, coaching at the moment mm-hmm. because, because of those reasons. Mm taking up space is a big thing but yeah I will definitely share more on that and that journey because like leadership is the hardest part mm-hmm. if I'm being completely honest and for me the thing that I don't enjoy managing people at all yeah because I know what my work ethic's like and I know how I like to work mm-hmm. and so uh, in my mind I'm like oh everyone's the same like you just get in you put your head down and you just bang it out yeah but that's not how everyone works like that's not that's not reflective of like no that's not how everyone works like Mm -hmm. people have varying styles people have varying levels of motivation people have different skills different capabilities so that for me is the toughest thing yeah so i will definitely share more on that because that that is one of the biggest challenges and i think that is that can be the trouble for entrepreneurs because really if you're an entrepreneur you're someone that's very creative you're you're a visionary you've got massive ideas but nowhere does anyone really tell you about how to manage people exactly how to manage people's emotions how to manage people's behaviors Mm -hmm. how to draw limits and boundaries but then yet still balance that with being empathetic and considerate of others without completely sacrificing yourself exactly it's a very fine line to tread so thanks for that I actually made notes on it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah because I'm like even for myself like i outside of coaching I'm a project manager and that was my first ever role as a manager and just dealing with difficult like staff and dealing with like being thrown in the deep and then being able to find your own managing style and also knowing that sometimes people don't like change I I took on a team that had quite bad habits yeah so it's like you're trying to be empathetic but at the same time we've got goals to meet and I'm also I have a, a standard but just then knowing like you don't just go in full throttle and like make all these changes. You've got to take people along with Mm -hmm. you on the journey. So when I, like for me, coaching is a big thing of like teaching women and more for me, like black women, mixed race women, like women within our culture, how to be good leaders. Because I think it's something that we're not shown. And like you rightly said, going to coaching, a lot of people don't utilize these tools or they might not be able to afford it. So I'm trying to make it Mm. more of a thing that is mainstream, that no, it's okay to have, a development coach, uh, executive coaching, and all these other coaching practices that other mm-hmm. people in other races they use daily, and and it helps them. Absolutely. Do you get what I mean? So, yeah, so important, yeah. man. We we really need to um, invest in these things as well because it helps develop us as a as a person as well. You know. So yeah, you know, like as well, you are a host of a podcast. She's obsessed, um, which is amazing. I, I love am. that. I love your podcast as well. I listen to it. And also you're the co-founder, as you um, mentioned earlier, of the teen experience. Mm-hmm. So could you just tell us um a bit more about those those projects and what you do there?
1: Sure. Um she's obsessed, I feel like I've neglected a bit, <laughs> but I'm cut I've got some good stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. But um the reason why I launched it is just because I was having a lot of conversations like these mm-hmm. where I felt, oh, this is a really interesting conversation. I myself have learned a lot. I'm sure it will benefit Other people Mm. So it was just a way For me to scale up Conversations that I was having Or I was being asked A lot of questions Repetitively And I was like Do you know what If I just recorded this And I released it as a podcast I can just point people In that direction Rather than trying to Schedule people in for calls And like manage my timetable It would just be too much Mm -hmm. So the reason why I started the podcast Was just to Share the conversations That I have on a larger scale Yeah That's all That was my only motivation Um, And also shine the light On a lot of black women Black British women In particular who are doing amazing things, who have their own obsessions that they've turned into businesses Mm -hmm. or careers. Um, So that was my main motivation for that. And the teen experience was just, I know what I needed as a teen. Mm -hmm. Um, My mum had me on a strict schedule growing up. I was piano lessons on Saturday, followed by a violin and then dance. Like I was on a very strict schedule as a child. When Mm -hmm. I moved into teen years, that's when I met my core friendship group in my Um, childhood years and my teen years and those are still like my core circle to date yeah but I met them through different activities so like youth clubs we used to go to like a chief a youth club at a church on a Friday we used to go to so many different community groups mm-hmm. and I just don't think you can ever under- underestimate the power of seeing yourself reflected in the world multiple times Yeah. so for me having like this group of black women who we have grown from little girls to grown women I know how impactful that is for me mm-hmm. and I just wanted that for other little girls not to say that you can't have friends of varying races of course it's very important yeah. but let's not pretend that the challenges for black teens in particular black teen girls is not extraordinarily high Especially when we consider things like self-image um self-perception standards of beauty like there's a lot to unpack yeah and so I wanted to create a safe space to allow us to do that
0: yeah yeah I I, I really kind of like um can relate to that because again that's why I also did some stuff with like YGT um Young Girls Thrive and stuff like that and I created something mm-hmm. in Croydon because I felt like being someone that's based in that like Croydon seeing not a lot of like organizations or groups especially knowing our our borough is full of like it's got one of the highest ethnic minority groups and yeah it's really needed it's so needed because like you said when I was younger I went to dance I went to all these things like my schedule was I was booked and busy I don't even remember Mm -hmm. like not having something to do and then obviously playing outside was also a big part of it and you know something yeah now. that's not and a thing a exactly thing do you get what i mean so you don't yeah. don't get that so it's like people play gaming online everything's quite virtual it's quite limited and um unless you go to school and college and stuff like that but yeah socializing is a very different for the younger generation nowadays um so yeah definitely very important guys so i will link um your podcast and i will also link um the teen experience um uh, pages and stuff like that so anyone listening you can go and check them out especially if you have got an, a young person that you think you know you could pay for their ticket and be part of like the virtual events and stuff like that that are coming up um so you know in terms of like we spoke about your like you're doing your kind of leadership coaching now and stuff like that but what other things like what what tools or vices do you use to keep yourself motivated I
1: feel like anything that I was using went out the window once COVID. <laughs> but generally speaking Friends and my family, my fiance, like the people around me, like a village, having a village is absolutely real. Mm-hmm. It's not just a phrase, it's not just, no, you need it. Like, you need people who are generally rooting for you. Mm-hmm. Gen- yeah genuinely written for you um my friends say all the time like, oh jam we were talking about you the other day i had to call can to say are you okay like i feel like you're quite stressed at the moment let's do something so like people that just genuinely care about you i think that's the first thing yeah secondly podcasts books but I don't, i'm my mom's a teacher used to be a head teacher her mom was a teacher so for me learning has been like it's just so important to me Mm. it's it's kind of in my dna but i just want to constantly be better yeah like i don't but i don't ever really feel that satisfied with what i've done or what i've accomplished which is a gift and a curse as i said Mm. um but for me it's always like okay cool we've done a pop-up in peckham sick let's do one in shoreditch all right, cool. We had two thousand five hundred people attend. Cool. Next year, let's have five thousand. Like, not that I'm chasing like this moment of optimal grat- of of optimal joy, because that's not the case. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of moments in my life where I feel very intense joy, but. As far as like what I can achieve, I'm always curious to know what happens if I push myself that much further. Yeah. What happens if I do this? Like, I feel like life should be treated as an experiment. And you should be constantly examining, examining, reevaluating it to say, does this look like what I want it to look like? Am I doing what I want to do? Am I showing up as the person I want to be? Am I turning into the woman that I wanted to be? Um, even next week, not next week, the week after, I've got two weeks off. Um, I'm turning 30 Oh, wow. and I wanted to have um, like a solid break where I could actually reflect and, okay, cool. This is what your life up to the point of being 30 has looked like. Mm-hmm. I can honestly say that I have no regrets of my twenties. My twenties yeah. have been absolutely lit. I've done so much in my twenties, not just accomplishments, but I've just like, I've just got so many really fond memories of like trips that I've taken with my friends, trips that I've taken with family. I've got nieces now. I didn't have those in the decade before. Mm-hmm. So I want to have a moment just to get a lot of clarity on, okay, what I know what business I'm building, but what am I building for myself as a person yeah. and which, what person am I building myself to become? Mm-hmm. So, For me, the main vice is curiosity. Like, what does life look like when I have more money? What does life look like when I can be anywhere in the world? What does life look like when I have a husband and kids? What does life look like when I've got several properties? Like, Mm. it's just the curiosity of what if, like, Mm. what happens next? So I would say that that's probably the main thing.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. A woman in um, my 30s, myself, I will say 30s are, like, the best. I heard it's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like when you just turn... you just absolutely amazing. I don't know, it just... I think, OK, let me say when I turn thirty, you are a little bit like, OK, certain things I haven't done yet or whatever, like, you know, the pressures of society But once you get over that hurdle You're just like You're so in your skin Like you just feel so confident As a as a being Like it's just so crazy That you're thinking heard, Wow Once I can time, see it Yeah Like you just think I, Wow I can
1: see it All of my friends That have turned 30 already I'm like Well you really know yourself Yeah you? yeah You're just so more assertive was to my friend yesterday <laughs> Yeah she's like No like At my core I know who I am And I feel like that Already Because I feel like I do a lot of work on myself mm-hmm. But I can just see it like when my friends have turned 30 there's just this sense of that's good for you but I need to do this for me yeah yeah or, exactly that's really nice for you but that's not for me and yep. I feel like that level of just self-assurance yeah can't yeah,
0: wait. yeah 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 it's really weird you know like when they say kids turn like two and then just have terrible twos like overnight it's weird you jump into your 30s and it's just like yeah this sassiness and this like assurity about yes. everything it's just like yeah it just takes I over
1: can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. it's amazing it's amazing I cannot wait
0: So, like just rounding up then, like what advice would you give to other aspiring entrepreneurs?
1: Mm, Stay curious. Mm -hmm. Like, do whatever makes you curious and you have to stay curious. Like if you're not interested in seeing what happens if, then don't even bother. Mm. Because this is a game of curiosity. There's no guarantees. Mm. Like there was no guarantee when I quit my job that We were going to have a hundred subscribers, a thousand, a couple of thousands, Mm -hmm. that we were going to have subscribers in one country, 26 countries. There was no guarantee. Um, So unless you're curious, then forget it.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. It's like kind of being able to also not be overtaken by the fear of the unknown. It's like just literally being able to just yeah like you might be frightened or have anxiety or worry but not allowing it to consume you to stop you kind of like paralyze you from making steps exactly yeah i think that's but so don't important. don't get me
1: wrong i had that moment myself mm. when i had too many voices telling me what to do and i started to get like as you said paralyzed with fear because mm. i'm like oh what happens but the reality of it is is that there's no guarantees in life anyway yeah so true. like what are we what are we really scared of
0: yeah it's true that's amazing and
1: to me i think the thing that drove me most and what drives me most is that i would like to know that at the end of my life i can say yes i've done what you put me here to do yeah i didn't just cruise mm-hmm. like i actually fulfilled what you created me to create what you created me to create i actually created it yeah, yeah. Um, that would be like the ultimate satisfaction for me on my last days yeah so that's something that i keep in the forefront like what do i want my life to actually say and how do I want it to have impacted others and what do I want it to reflect? Yeah, so yeah. I would say, yeah, think about think about the bigger picture. Think about your bigger purpose and stay curious. Mm. And also understand that like, running a business from the outside, it looks very glamorous. But I always say for me, if I could work in treasure stress rather than running it, I would do that job. Mm. <laughs> because then you don't have, like, as much as, like, I do get to be creative, not so much because, really, you have to worry about the numbers. You have to organise the numbers. You have to make sure people are paid. You have to do so many other admin things um, that you don't really think about when you've got this great idea. Mm. So also don't feel pressured to start a business and run a business because it looks cool like it's like life this is one area of life there's yeah. so many more areas of life to explore mm,
0: that's some amazing gems there guys I hope you're like taking notes um so yeah thank <laughs> you so much but if anybody wants to find tre- treasure treasure and they want to even look you up what what are the socials
1: um, so Treasure Tress is at Treasure Tress, T-R-E-S-S. We get some interesting remixes of our name sometimes. <laughs> but it's at Treasure Tress on Instagram. On Facebook, it's at Treasure Tress Box. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my Instagram is Jamelia is Obsessed.
0: Great. I will, like I said, link everything as well in the description of the podcast. But thank you so much. I have thoroughly enjoyed today's conversation I'm feeling motivated myself so guys I hope you've taken some amazing advice there don't forget if you want to get involved in my ask the coach segments if you've got a career related question just drop me a dm at its cc podcast on ig or you can jump on the anchor app and record your questions there so until next time guys it's been great